The Can't Wait Podcast is brought to you by GameTime, your new go-to app for the best deals on last-minute tickets. Did you know Jets ticket prices tend to drop right before the game starts? GameTime tracks prices in real time from thousands of trusted sellers, then shows you all the best last-minute deals with prices up to 60% off. More than 12 million fans have downloaded the GameTime app and discovered the fastest, easiest way to get into the game. All it takes is just two clicks and you can save so much money. So, so, so much money. Who does not love saving money? So head to the App Store or Play Store now to download GameTime and score awesome deals on last-minute tickets. In three hours on a Sunday afternoon, the Jets went from maybe being the worst team in the NFL to being the best team in New York. Thanks for sticking with us through the tough times. This is the Can't Wait Podcast. Tim McMaster along with Connor Hughes. And uh, maybe just for a day, Connor, but the Jets are winners. Yeah, and you got to imagine that this one just is a big sigh of relief for everyone over in 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 that building because it had been such a dreadful start to this year. I mean, I, I've honestly like I, I've covered a lot of bad football for this team dating back to the 2014 season. Very very few bright spots aside from that one random Fitzmagic 10 and six year in, in 2015. Aside from that, it's just been varying degrees of bad, and I've never ever seen it like this from the expectations that a team had entering the year. Everything that's gone wrong since, from Sam Darnold's mono, C.J. Mosley's groin, all of the abundance of injuries before that, starters dropping like flies on the injury report, then the drama outside, the offense can't score, the defense can't stop anyone. Uh, you've got the 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 coach is is can is now on the hot seat after just a year. Uh, the owner hasn't talked. The GM was fired. I mean, it was just so much garbage that had gone on with this Jets team. Really, probably dating back to to a couple weeks after the draft when it all started, when they decided to let Mike McCagnan go, to finally just have that that sigh of relief. And and I kind of wrote this after the game that this really doesn't change anything. This doesn't change that that the Jets. I know Sam Tarnold threw this out there, but the Jets are not going to make the playoffs. Uh, in all likelihood, they're they're going to come back down to earth within the next couple of weeks. It, it's going to be something where. Uh, maybe some other only happens to this team drama pops up or, or they lose another game they shouldn't have lost or the offensive line continues to struggle or Sam Darnold throws another couple interceptions and has a bad game. This this game against the Giants, it doesn't solve anything. It doesn't fix anything. It's a drop in the bucket uh, in the grand scheme of thing. It, in the grand scheme of things, it really does mean so, so little. But man, if you're a Jets fan, you got to feel at least good for today and, and, and push off reality push off everything that's happened before, you know, 1 p.m. Sunday afternoon, push off everything that's to come with the draft and free agency and having to fix this offensive line and the secondary and and whether Adam Gase is coming back or not. Just forget all of that and just enjoy the fact that you you can go to work on Monday with a smile on your face. You can rub it into your giant fan neighbor. You, you can just enjoy this victory for what it is. You love a football team. 
that football team won a game. They looked good. Your franchise quarterback looked like a franchise quarterback again. The offense moved the ball. The defense was lights out towards the end of that game. I mean, absolutely dominant the final five possessions the Giants had after they took that lead on the Golden Tate touchdown. I think they allowed a total of 30 yards, forced four punts, and recovered a fumble. So just feel good about this game, even if it doesn't really mean anything, even if this season is still lost. Head head to work today and feel good and let reality set in on Tuesday. Yeah, it does. It feels good. I I feel good for Jets fans today, just around the city, um, for sure. All right, let's get into some of the things you you just brought up broadly um, and dig in a little bit. We got to start with Darnold because, hey, it was a step. You know what? It's been like step back, step back, step back. He took a step forward, I feel like, on Sunday. Um, Statistically, he was outplayed by Daniel Jones, who threw for four touchdowns. Uh, But Darnold, 19 of 30, 230, a touchdown. But Connor, no interceptions and no real big mistakes. There was multiple plays where he got into a little bit of trouble and he just threw the ball away. And it was so refreshing to see. Yeah, he. Uh, I thought it was another. Again, this is what you're going to have with with a young franchise quarterback, a kid who's 22 years old, a guy who's developing week in and week out. You're going to have steps forward. You're going to have steps back. The key for Donald, I think, what's been lost in translation throughout this assessment of him uh, the last couple of weeks or so during his struggles is that it's always been about. Yes, Sam Donald looks like he's regressing right now. He needs to find a way to snap out of the funk and get himself right and right the ship and. One of the, the biggest feathers in Adam Gates' cap, if he wants to keep his job at the end of the year, was going to be his ability to get Sam Darnold back on track, was going to be his ability to right the ship, straighten the ship, get him back to playing good football. There's going to be ups, there's going to be downs. The kid is 22 years old. He only started playing football late in his high school career. He didn't play that much at USC. It's going to take time before he is the Aaron Rodgers or even the Matt Ryan or even, to some extent, Eli Manning. I mean, it's going to take a while for him to get to that point or at least a couple of years, because of the fact he's so young, he's still developing, he's still, in a way, learning Adam Gase's scheme. So what you want to see is for when you have those bad games, it's not eight straight bad games. You might have one, two hiccups, but then you start putting together two, three good games. Then you might have a hiccup, but then put together four good games. Then you have another hiccup or two, then put together five good games. You want to see that continual development. And I think that you saw that again from Darnold against the Giants. Obviously, he was... He missed the the one flea flicker to Vincent Smith that should have been a walk-in touchdown by about a yard. I know it looked a little bit like Smith held up, but still, Darnold's got to throw a little bit of a better pass. That one was just a yard too far. But aside from that, I thought he did a good job checking the ball down when he had to check the ball down. Went to Le'Veon Bell on a couple of screens. Went to Le'Veon Bell when almost failed. He got uh, Jamison Crowder going again. Got Demarius Thomas going again. He didn't really throw much to Robbie Anderson. Just three targets, one catch for 11 yards. Uh, the long, obviously, of that 11 yards and really didn't have too many of the deep shots down the field aside from the one DPI that Robbie drew. But that was because the Giants were shading a safety towards his side. So when you're shading a safety toward Robbie Anderson saying, we're not going to let Robbie Anderson beat us, that means other guys are going to have to have success. And the Jets found that. Crowder, five catches, 81 yards, and a touchdown. Demarius Thomas, who looked like this was 2010 again, six catches, 84 yards. So you saw a lot of, a lot of his ability to spread the ball around it was uh, how many different Jets caught passes? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight different guys caught passes from Darnold on Sunday. I thought that was good. He spread the ball around, did a good job dumping it down, did a good job taking chances when they were there, avoided the turnovers. That was certainly number one, but maybe 1A was also his ability to feel comfortable moving from within the pocket again. We haven't really seen that since the Cowboys game. That When the pressure comes and when the pressure is in Darnold's face, he has the ability to move left, move right, step up, and create his own little pocket. That's what the Jets need in the face 
of their struggles on the offensive line. Darnold did that again on Sunday, something we really, again, haven't seen since that Cowboys game. And I thought all that was steps in the right direction. Avoiding the turnovers was big. Finding different targets was big. Of realizing that while they're taking away Robbie Anderson, you have other guys that can make plays. And his movement from within the pocket was uh, was was really, really something that I liked on Sunday. It was, it was a good step in the right direction. And now it's about building on it, which he's going to have a chance to do against the Redskins next week. Yeah, the flea flicker is the one that I'm sure he wants back because Vincent oh, yeah. just had a couple of steps and would have been gone. And then suddenly that stat line looks a whole lot better. Oh, you're talking um, about three then, touchdowns over 300 yards yeah. passing the bomb. I mean, yeah, he would right. be talking about, holy cow, look, look what Darnold just did. Yeah, and then you mentioned the defensive pass interference, which was a huge play, and nobody gets credit for it other than the the touchdown that they score from it. But that was big for Darnold yeah, and, and big for Anderson. And, and you just hit it there on the last thing you said was, was it's big for Anderson. Now, the, the thing that the Jets have been working on with Robbie, and I know this from talking to people in the building, they've, they've been working on it with this guy quite literally since the opener against the Bills. Because I don't know if you remember this, but and, and I don't know if Jet fans remember this, but not the play that Robbie Anderson pulled up on late in the fourth quarter where he would have had a walk-in game-winning touchdown against the Bills uh, late late in that fourth quarter in the opener. But earlier in that game, I can't remember the exact quarter, but there was a play where Darnold went to him in the same end zone on kind of like a post uh, just past the right side of where the, the goal post is. And Anderson had two guys near him. I believe it was the safety in the corner. And the ball was sort of in the right direction. It was a pretty good pass from Darnold, but Anderson just wasn't able to get it. It was pretty good coverage from the defender. The way that the Jets viewed that play and the way this coaching staff viewed that play was that if Anderson had just kind of put his foot in the ground and cut back for the ball and instead of kind of going with the trajectory of the ball, instead ran back towards the ball and made a play on the ball, he's immediately running into the defenders, the two defenders in front of him, and that's going to immediately draw a pass interference, and the Jets are going to get the ball at the one. Maybe Anderson's able to go up in the air, make the grab, pull it down, touchdown. But worst case scenario, he's drawing the flag, and the Jets are getting the DPI, and they're getting the ball at the one-yard line, and then Le'Veon Bell is probably going to take it in from a yard out, and that's a touchdown. Instead, I believe uh, Corey Vedvik missed a field goal on that drive. Ever since that specific play, the Jets have been working with Anderson about, look, you have insane speed. You're going to run past everyone. But once you run past everyone and you see that ball in the air and you realize that it's not going to be over your head, come the hell back for it. Because if you can come back for it, if you can fight for the ball, you're going to contact the defender every single time. The penalty is going to be thrown and we're going to get a free first down. That's what the coaches have been trying to instill in his head, instill in his head, and instill in his head. And in practice, Anderson has been doing that. I've seen some of the tape. He's been able to go back and attack balls and attack balls. He just hasn't done it in a game yet for whatever reason. Maybe it's a mental lapse. Maybe he doesn't think about it. Maybe he loses his train of thought thinking, oh, if I catch this one running, I'm going into the end zone. Maybe it's because it's something that he hasn't done yet before. But what you saw Sunday against the Giants for the first time this year really was the ball was in the air. The ball was slightly underthrown. But instead of Anderson just turning around and waiting for the ball to come back for him or instead of him just running straight and realizing the ball is behind him, he kind of planted a little bit. And it wasn't the, the most forceful go back for the ball that the Jets are looking for, but he still stopped his body, turned around, and because he turned around and put his hands out, the defender who had his back to the ball ran directly into Robbie Anderson. Jets got a free first down at the one-yard line, and Le'Veon Bell took it in for a touchdown. So that's that was really good to see because it's something that the Jets have been hammering home and hammering home and hammering home with Robbie Anderson, and he finally did it. And again, Robbie's the type of receiver that really, throughout his time with the Jets and even going back to Temple, He's never been more than just a deep threat guy that John Morton didn't believe he could do anything more than that. Chan Gailey didn't believe it. Jeremy Bates didn't believe it. The three guys tried, 
But they all kind of gave up and saying, you know what? This guy just is what he is. He's effective. We can certainly use him. But he is what he is. And Gase is the first guy that has really not given up on Robbie yet. He's the one that now we're nine weeks, ten weeks into the season, and he's still saying, I think this guy can do it all. I'm going to keep working with him. I'm going to keep working with him. And that was a really big step in the right direction. So while Anderson only caught one pass for 11 yards, there was one near the sideline that was kind of contested that he still should have come down with. The fact that he came back for that ball, something the Jets have really been hammering home with him, I thought was a really good sign. And again, you know, when you come back for the ball and it doesn't work, it says one thing. But the fact that it, he came back for it, the Jets got the ball at the one and then they scored. I think that that will instill in Robbie Anderson's brain because he's kind of more of that kind of a thinker. Like, oh, shit, what the coaches are saying is right. <laughs> this just worked. I'm going to keep doing it again. Right? Because, you know, when you keep saying, do this, trust me, it's going to work. Trust me, it's going to work. But you lose and lose and lose and lose and lose. It doesn't really stick. Right? It doesn't, like, stick in your head. Right. But here it did. Here was something where it literally, like, he saw it work. He saw it. He saw the practice. He saw the theory in practice, and he was able to make it make an effective play out of it. And the Jets benefited for it because they don't win this game without that touchdown. Yeah, the power of positive reinforcement, and and hopefully it's something uh, of things to come. And same with Darnold. So, all right, switching over to the defense a little bit, and <laughs> it's interesting when you look at these teams on paper, just because um, they're both so bad that you you see teams' strengths and weaknesses and things that tend to be weaknesses suddenly become strengths because the other team is is just worse at it. And the Giants' O-line was banged up and bad in this game, and it got worse when Solder went down during the game. That all said, um, a couple of weeks ago, we were at a point where we were thinking, you know what, Jamal Adams and the Jets, this relationship is maybe done, and, and who knows what's going to happen here. Jamal Adams played his heart out, played his ass off, on Sunday, I think you tweeted maybe it was the best game of his career. Nine yes, tackles, two seen. sacks, two forced fumbles. I mean, he just brought it against the Giants. He's had great games before. I, 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 I've I, seen him do it. I mean, I, I've, I've covered every single game of Jamal Adams' career, and I can tell you the guy has had games, and he's had plays that he'll make in games, sometimes three, four plays in a game where you're like, Dude, like, what the hell is this guy doing? Like, it's a, it's a not, not. I don't mean that negatively. I mean that as a, as a very positive. What the hell is he doing? I've never seen anyone do this before. He'll have like two or three of those a game, and then he'll go on, and, and he'll kind of be silent for a while. Then he'll make another one. This was the first game in Jamal Adams' career, and again, the guy is an All-Pro safety. So I'm not, I'm not saying that he was bad or off or anything like that before this week, but he played like a man possessed against the Giants. I have never seen a defensive player in a Jets uniform take over a game like Jamal Adams did. Nine tackles, two sacks, two quarterback hits, a pass breakup, two forced fumbles, one fumble recovery, and a touchdown. The guy was everywhere. At one point on a fourth and one, he jumped over the line of scrimmage, grabbed Daniel Jones, who is not a small guy. The dude's like 6'5", 220, 230, isn't he? Like, he's a big dude. He jumped over the line of scrimmage, grabbed him, and pulled him back until his teammates were able to corral him and bring him down for no gain and was short of the first down. He was insane on Sunday. I Again, I have seen Jamal Adams play great games before. I have seen him play well before. I've seen him do things that I never thought a safety could do. But I have never seen any, forget safety, I've never seen a defensive player on the Jets have a game like that before since I hopped on the beat in 2014. You want to go back to John Abraham and all those guys, fine. I believe you. I'm sure they had better games, whatever. But I haven't seen that. I said I didn't grow up a Jets fan, not a Jets fan now. The most abundance of Jets games that I started watching was when I hopped on this beat in 2014. And since that time, I have never seen a defensive player 
take over a game and will his team to a victory like Jamal Adams did on Sunday. They do not win that game if he is not on the field. That secondary of the Jets was abysmal. They were playing with two cornerbacks, three cornerbacks to some extent, who are not ready to be on an NFL football field. They were playing with an embarrassment at middle linebacker because of the injuries. Again, Brandon Copeland is a quality player, but he's an outside linebacker, not an inside linebacker. James Burgess was a practice squad player to start this season. That's where he should still be. They traded away one of their best defensive linemen and Leonard, defensive linemen and Leonard Williams. They don't have a threat on the outside. They should not have won this game. And Jamal Adams on defense willed that team to a victory. He willed them and, and led them. Those final five series where the Giants, after scoring that touchdown to Golden Tate, punted four times, gained 30 total yards, picked up two first downs, and fumbled once. That was the best football game I have seen a Jets defender play since I was on this beat in 2014. It was unbelievable to watch that guy go to work. And if it was all because LSU beat Alabama on Saturday, as Jordan <laughs> Jenkins joked about in the locker room, I'm telling you what, the Jets might want to just play that game on repeat over and over and over again every single Saturday for Jamal to see if they can't get more like this because this was absolutely remarkable. Jamal LSU is playing Alabama again this week. Really? Yeah, I thought yeah, they were yeah. playing. Yeah. <laughs> Here, watch the tape. Um, the uh, the strip sack and it, it was just like he was taking. Uh, it was like he was taking Daniel Jones's uh, lunch Daniel money. Jones, just took that's it away from him. yeah. Well, and that's and Giants fans, you know, today are saying as good as Daniel Jones looked at times with four touchdown passes. That's been the problem all season long is that he fumbles. And in that case, it wasn't just a fumble. He was just like, here, have the football and go run for a touchdown. Yeah, um, it was but, pathetic. He just took it away. Yeah. Like, that's a, like It was almost like what ha it was actually legitimately what Orlando Skandrick did to uh, Luke Falk in the Eagle game. He just walked up and took the ball. It wasn't a sack fumble where he came around the outside, swatted the ball, then picked it up. No, he literally came directly in front of Daniel Jones. Jones opened to the right, like all right-handed quarterbacks do. Jamal Adams blitzed from the right, ran into Daniel Jones, and didn't sack him. He just took the ball away from him and ran in for a touchdown. It was remarkable. And Jordan Jenkins said this was something that the Jets knew they would have at heading into this game. They knew, and he said, that Daniel Jones tends to be reckless with the, reckless with the ball, lacks some wherewithal within the pocket, and he takes hits that he doesn't have to take. And they knew the opportunity was going to be there to get footballs, to be able to take footballs from him, and you saw it. I mean, that was the very definition of it, where Jamal Adams quite literally just took the ball out of his hands and ran in for a touchdown. It was insane. I remember watching it from the press box, and I said it verbally. Like, as soon as that was like, holy shit, he just took the ball. He, like, it wasn't a sack fall. He just took it. He walked up and he took the ball. It was insane. It was, it was crazy. One of, the, one of the better, again, best defensive performance I've seen from a player. One of the better defensive plays I've seen as well. So Adams became part of the pass rush, too, and the pass rush was big in this game. It helped that terrible secondary that you talked about, a secondary in which Nate Hairston just looked lost at times. Bless Austin was out there late in the game, and, and I think a lot of people were probably like, who? Who's that guy? Um, but because of the pass rush they were able to get on, sacking Jones six times, I think it at least helped that group a little that they didn't have to be in coverage for for five seconds necessarily all day long. So so there was some help there. And and Adams wasn't the only guy. Overall, the, the front got to Jones and also did a nice job against the run game. I mean, Saquon Barkley, Connor, 13 carries, one yard. I mean, that's unbelievable to me. And he had five catches for 30. But, but for them to hold Barkley to that, I just don't understand how it was possible. Yeah, Rich Samini said, uh, for, who covers the Jets for ESPN, he has the, the, the benefit of the ESPN stats and info. He said that was the lowest rush total on someone who touched the ball at least 13 times since some random Titans running back that I've never – someone named Wells. His last name was Wells. 
uh, in like the very early 2000s. Like it wasn't Beanie Wells from Ohio State. It was it was some other Wells who played for the Titans. Uh, I forget his I forget his first. How name would you like to be known as the Wells that you're not even Beanie Wells? Yeah, <laughs> Wells. yeah, right. I mean, like I I, I I'm <laughs> I'm pretty good with football history, especially that dating back to like the early 2000s. That was a guy where Rich said his name. I was like, I I have no idea. I have no idea who that guy even is. So he was that was Barkley and. Look, give the Jets a ton of credit. I mean, give Nathan Shepard, who had three tackles for a loss, a lot of credit. Uh, give Henry Anderson a lot of credit. Give the inside linebackers, Brandon Copeland, uh, James Burgess, a lot of credit. Jordan Jenkins. I mean, the, they did that. And I know that Barkley is not 100% still feeling the effects from that high ankle sprain that robbed him of three games this year. But still, that guy at 60-70% is still a top five running back in the NFL. When he's 100%, he's one of the best running backs in the NFL. It looked like he was lacking bursts. It looked like he wasn't 100%. But that does not – I mean, that doesn't excuse the fact that for 13 carries, you gained one yard. Like, I'm pretty sure that any of the three of us, you, me, or Marissa, could strap on pads, get out there, and just run straight 13 times. And we would probably get more than one yard. Like, oh, you just pick it, just run really hard straight or just quarterback sneak and one three. You'd probably end up with like two or three. And Barkley had one. Like, that is just an amazing, amazing job by this Jets front, which entered the game, believe it or not, you know, as much issues as the Jets defense has had, they entered the game with uh, with, with ranked sixth in average yards per game. It was something like, I think they were letting up like 83 or something like that, a game on the ground. Like, they were basically really, really stout. And then they let off like one chunk rush, kind of like what happened against Jacksonville where uh, Leonard Fournette bursted off that like 60-something yard run in the game's first possession, but then the Jets kind of held down after that. They, they'd allow one or two big plays, but then they'd be really stout the rest of them. This was the first time they played that super, super complete game. And the fact they did it against Barkley, I know definitely gave this gave this uh, this this defense some momentum. I mean, it was, it was wildly impressive to see. In fact, by the fourth quarter, pretty much everyone on press row Everyone was pretty much looking down at, at their stat sheets and and the the live tracker NFL GSIS, which I think everyone calls like NFL Jesus, which is kind of like the immediate uh, statistics that are applied right away before ESPN gets them or NFL.com or anything else you watch it. We were all looking and we're like, holy crap, he's got like 12 for this. Wow, he's got 13 for one. And then it just held on. And the fact the Jets were able to make the Giants so one-dimensional and then just tee off on Jones certainly benefited it. But it was also a good game plan by Greg Williams because he realized – I know going into this one, and not to – I feel like I'm rattling. Uh, I was talking to a couple other beat writers in, in the press room on th- Friday, and we were talking about what the Jets were going to do on defense with this secondary because Nate Harrison is not a good player. Arthur Mallette is not a good player. Brian Poole's pretty good, but he can only play the slot. We were talking about all of all of these things, and someone said, I think that the Jets are just going to – you got to drop eight guys and play zone and play coverage and pray. And I was like – in my opinion, my stance was you can't do that because if you do that, if you go out and and you simply play coverage like that, and your front is not good enough to get home in in a you know your three four guys can't get home, eventually someone will will break open because the way that zone coverage works is the is it works initially off the bat, but then as the play develops and those zones kind of creep out and creep out and creep out, suddenly you're charged at in zone coverage with covering our larger portion of the field. And then eventually you're going to find holes in those zones and Jones will just start picking on him. So in my opinion, you had to bring pressure. You had to get after the quarterback. You had to get home because you needed to get to Jones before Jones could find the guy that was open in the secondary, you know, and and obviously if they're going to run quick slants and stuff like that, that's one thing, but you need to, you needed to get to Jones. And I think that Greg Williams did that. He brought the heat. Jamal Adams kept coming. Plitzers kept coming. They did their best to run exotic fronts to confuse 
Daniel Jones. And I think that they were able to do that, obviously, uh, because while Jones had had his touchdowns, he had the four scores, he threw for a decent amount of yards, you know, all that fun stuff, yada, yada, yada. That was always going to be the stat line against a secondary that went in with Nate Harrison and Arthur Mollette as their two starting corners. That was always going to be the case that there was the Jets were not going to shut down Daniel Jones. He was going to have a hell of a game. What you needed to do was you needed to come up big and make a couple of plays to flip this and the offense needed to score. That's what we talked about. When we did the dual podcast with Duggan. The Jets offense scored. They put up points. The defense made a couple plays when they needed to. The touchdown from Adams was huge to steal a possession. And then the way that they bunkered down those final five drives was huge. All right, we're going to move on to uh, the less good news, which was the offensive line, which was pretty much terrible. But first, a shout out to DraftKings, Connor. Weekends, they're made for football. And right now, really, they're made for everything because you have hockey going on. You have the NBA, uh, college sports as well. And the DraftKings Sportsbook app can get you in on the action 24-7, 365 days a year. DraftKings Sportsbook is America's top-rated sportsbook app. And with so much going on, they have great promotions running all month long. Here's the great one. This week, DraftKings is running a first touchdown scorer promotion. Just bet on the first touchdown scorer in the Pittsburgh-Cleveland game on Thursday night and get protected with your wager back if they score at any point in the game. Connor, it's not an easy game to pick this because, first of all, these two offenses, who knows? Um, I want your thoughts, though. Pittsburgh-Cleveland, who's going to score first? I would say this is kind of off norm, but I would go Minka Fitzpatrick for the Steelers defensive touchdown against the Browns. Well, that'd be one hell of a payout, my friend. <laughs> Jesus, you, you're really going for it. Uh, I don't know. I'd probably say, like, I don't know if James Conner is going to be back in time. He probably won't be. I know he's dealing with some injuries and, and he's kind of questionable yeah. now, but I wouldn't be surprised if it's like Chubb. I'd probably play it safe. I think that after all the issues that the Browns just had in the red zone, when they get in there, they're going to try to play it safe. They're not going to try to get creative. So uh, I would go Chubb, or if you want to go a little bit risky, obviously Fitzpatrick's one you can go. <laughs> uh, but I, I would go with uh, maybe even um, Kareem Hunt, the, that it seemed like the, the Browns were able to get him going a little bit there uh, in their victory over the Bills, a, a pretty good defense. So maybe they'll, they'll they'll try to give Kareem Hunt some touches and start you know using him to alleviate some of the pressure off Chubb. Yeah, maybe safer to go with a Browns player just because it's so hard to predict this, this Steelers offense right now. All right, and don't forget the DraftKings Sportsbook app has in-game betting so you can bet on the games while they're happening. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app right now. Use code QUICK for a limited time. All new and existing users can get a deposit bonus of up to $500. That's code QUICK for all new and existing users to get a deposit bonus up to $500. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older. New Jersey only. Deposit bonus requires 25 times playthrough. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Yeah, you know, Tim, you're talking about gambling problems. Like, real, real quick, we talked. We talked about this in the our pre-show, our pre-show meeting. Uh, you know, we're heading into this Jets game, like I was looking at some of the player props, like going in, like, oh, like you know, what what are they looking at for the Giants? Because they were running DraftKings was running another special uh, that they announced, where it was if you took the the spread on either the Jets or the Giants, they would give you like six dollars in credit leading up to a free bet for every touchdown that that particular quarterback threw. So if you took Darnold you get the $6 for the rushing touchdown and then the passing touchdown. If you took Daniel Jones, it was a really profitable day because you get $6 for the four touchdowns. Either is a six times four is 24. But I was looking at some of the other prop bets, right? And I saw the one that was there was Darnold's passing yards. And I saw it was like 230. And I was like, huh. I was like, you know, they the Giants passing defense is kind of bad. You figure this is probably going to be a shootout. I, he's got to go over 230, right? 
So I had a free bet in my pocket. I was like, ah, we'll, we'll take the uh, we'll take the the Sam Darnold over two thirty pat two thirty point five passing yards. That's what the line was two thirty and a half for his passing yards. So two thirty one, you win. Two thirty, you lose. Darnold's final numbers on Sunday: nineteen to thirty passing, two hundred and thirty yards with a touchdown. Unreal! Like they hit that thing on the head. Like it's amazing what <laughs> Vegas is able to do. Amazing, blows my mind. And, and another check yeah. written for Connor to DraftKings.com. By the way, we're not going to do our full pick recap right now because uh, all three of us, you, me, and Marissa, have the Monday night game. So we're going to wait until later in the week to check in on our picks. But you are two and one right now. Yeah, uh, I'm one and two. Marissa's one and two. Two so. and one, two so and you, two. Well, I'm telling you well, what. I, you know, whatever. What I missing on? What was the one that I missed? Two and one. Oh, the Chargers, which was BS. They shouldn't have yep. lost that freaking game. Marissa was about to chime in there. That was she texted me after <laughs> that too. She sent me a meme or a gif of some gif, gif, however you want to call it. Sent me one of the, the the some like a someone crying like oh no after that touchdown the uh, uh, Raiders scored late there man I thought we were in the clear I thought we were in the clear Chargers punched that one in they're up it's like two minutes left I was like oh we're set and then uh, immediately Chargers screwed me like three times this year though it's it's complete and total BS I lost two when uh, it was the the one yard run by um, uh, what's his face the when. Uh, uh, Melvin Gordon fumbled at the one yard line a couple weeks ago. I lost on that one too. So the, I, I think I'm I think I'm staying away from the Chargers from here on out. They just don't like me. That's the kiss of death. Whenever I take them, they lose. At least the Jets picked you up this week. You were the only one, and we had Dan Duggan in on this this week too. We all took the Giants. You took the Jets, so you got us there. All right, back to this game. Back back to this team. Um, and back to some of the, the negatives from the game, which is the offensive line, which continues to be terrible for this team. And then Brian Winters leaves the game with an injured shoulder in the third quarter. That didn't help things at all either. MRI coming up on Monday for Winters. But um, Darnold was sacked three times, hit six times, but no running game either. Eight, I mean, it was better than Barkley, but Bell, 18 carries, 34 yards. This team was able to win despite a, another tough effort from the O-line, Connor. Yeah, look, the, the, I think at this point that the offensive line is going to be what the offensive line is going to be. I mean, teams are going to going to pack the box and, and do what they can to shut down Le'Veon Bell and, and ask Sam Darnold to beat him. And, and I think what we've seen from the line to this point is that they're just they're just not good. Right. I mean, that's that's really what this is. It's a bad offensive line that's playing bad football because they're they're not good. I mean, Calvin Beecham is is average at best and he's the Jets best option at left tackle. Alex Lewis is had played pretty well the first couple of weeks, but he's kind of come back down to earth largely because he's banged up. I mean, that guy is bruised, battered. I mean, he's just he's taken a football beating, and you can tell that when he's pulling and when he's hitting guys, he's not doing it with the ferociousness that he did the first two starts that he had. I mean, when he used to pull, he would come around and look to take someone's head off. Now he's kind of getting in their way, and it's because of how much physical pain he's currently in and, and it's not a situation where he has to sit it's just as an offensive lineman you have to manage that stuff so uh he's dealing with those issues the center problem has obviously been a center problem dating back to training camp with ryan khalil jonathan harrison the jets do like now what they have more in jonathan harrison simply because he's a guy that while not as physically talented as ryan khalil he does things exactly how sam Darnold wants them and he does things exactly how the play designs for them to be done so He's a, he's susceptible a lot to bull rushes. So so he struggles in that regard where he can he takes a hit and immediately gets like driven back, that kind of thing. So so the Jets kind of need to protect themselves from that. But he does things exactly as this coaching staff wants and exactly how Sam Darnold wants to a T. Every T is crossed, every I is dotted. I mean, that is how particular he is in and and how 
almost borderline insane he is with making sure he does everything so right with when when uh, Khalil was in there while the Jets got more talent he would kind of sometimes revert back to how things were done in Carolina and how he was used to doing it throughout his 10 plus year career and how Ron Rivera wanted it and and just because that's how his mind was built after playing all those years in Carolina and then coming and learning a brand new offense brand new scheme brand new quarterback uh, really starting week one because he didn't play in training camp or the preseason so uh, I think that, that Jonathan Harrison has, has provided some stability, but still you lose some athleticism and talent by having him in there. And then Brian Winters, who's dealing with a shoulder issue, he's just not a good football player. And then Chuma Daga's a developing rookie who who's going to drive you crazy sometimes and then look really good sometimes. It's just going to it's gonna be a bit before he he really ascends into the player that the Jets believe. But at this point, this is what the line's going to do. And, and the Jets, if they're going to win football games, they're going to do what they did on Sunday where they win in spite of their offensive line struggles. Yeah, and their offensive line may be better than the Giants, at least, if there's something we could take from Sunday uh, for one game. All right. Um, You know what? Adam Gase, the hot seat was getting hotter and hotter and hotter. Maybe it cooled down a little bit, but just wanted to check in and kind of grade Gase here um, towards the end of the podcast. Um, There is some credit to be had here. A couple of plays. Uh, The fourth and one call, he went to uh, Trevon Wesco. I don't know if that was the great call as far as play, but it got it done, and they ended up getting the touchdown to go up 14-0 on that drive, Connor. So that's a perk for Gase. Overall, what did you think of of his performance on the sidelines? Uh, I didn't. I, I actually liked the Wesco play because you didn't expect it. It was ballsy. I mean, right. I'll, I'll give you that. I mean, it was certainly one where if that goes it's one wrong, of those, or, if it if right, it works, you're right. a genius. If it doesn't, is it if if it doesn't, you're a moron. Because I mean, you were like, holy cow, fourth and one, huge moment in the game, and you're giving the ball to Trevon Wesco on the first carry of his career. So it's like, holy cow, but it worked, and, and that was fine. I liked that he got Sam Darnold moving around a little bit. I loved the flea flicker, and I think that a lot of people yep. will be singing Grace, uh, singing Gase's praises quite a bit more if that play had hit and Sam Darnold hadn't underthrown Vince or overthrown Vincent Smith because that's a walk-in touchdown and really an exclamation point. Uh, liked what he did with Sam Darnold, like I said. Liked how, how Darnold developed, which is a, a credit to Adam Gase. Liked how he, uh, he stuck with the run to an extent, but then also realized where it was going wrong and then started to work a little bit more with Bell on screens, Bell in the flat, Bell out. I, I liked that he started doing that a little bit more. Would have liked to have seen him gone to it a little bit early. I uh, liked how he started working Chris Herndon in there, too. I think you'll see Herndon get a lot more involved as this season goes on. That was his first game back and, and first game of the season after injuring his hamstring and dealing with the suspension. But I think the one thing that I did not like uh, at all with with Gase and, and kind of what I, I still am a little bit worried about is there was that massive lull for the Jets after those first two touchdowns where things just imploded. I mean, they punted twice. They missed a field goal the half end, and then they punted. And then eventually they got back going again with the field goal, touchdown field goal to close out the game. And But then even still towards the end there were the last two drives the Jets had where they punted twice. I didn't really like that. I would have liked to see him been a little bit more aggressive had Sam Darnold throw on one of those last two to really end the game and not rely so much on your undermanned defense, but win the game on offense. But, you know, I, I, I other than that, it was fine. I just would have liked to see him be able to break out of that rut uh, after those first two touchdowns and keep things going a little bit more. Uh, the really bad one was when the Giants failed on that fourth and one, and and the Giant and the Jets responded by running four plays, gaining three total yards, and then missing a field goal from the Giants' 36. So I did not like that one at all. But again, I mean, it's I think that Gase is handcuffed a little bit in terms of what he's able to do with the talent that he has, and he needs to figure out a little bit of how to continually make this work for a full game because we haven't seen a full game from the Jets yet. It was a good thing that they started fast, went through that level, then bounced back. But even dating back to the Cowboys game and at every other point during the season, we have yet to see them have that 
complete start to finish good game where after, you know, maybe you pump once you still bounce back with some points and you're constantly moving the ball. You're just not scoring every possession. Maybe it comes this week against Washington. Maybe it comes in the rematch against the Dolphins. I don't know, but it would be good to see the Jets put together that full complete game. But overall, I mean, the fact that that Gase was able to get these guys going, get these guys rolling, get these guys really playing some good quality football in the face of everything that went wrong for this team this year, I thought it was a good feather in his cap and, and a good game for the Jets. Yeah, the team hasn't quit on him. I think we learned that. And we talked about it before, how good the scripted plays go. And this game, the first quarter, they outscored, they uh, yardaged yeah. the Giants 121-2 to in that first quarter as they just went up and down the field twice. He did have two challenges late in the fourth quarter, two within 11 seconds, which is crazy. I thought the first one was dumb on the ball placement. I um, just didn't think there was any chance that would getting changed. Second one was probably worth a shot. They lose both, and they lose two timeouts there where – if the Giants end up scoring, maybe that burns you, but they didn't end up uh, missing those timeouts at all. Um, but but I thought that was interesting, just having those two late challenges and his take on, on both those decisions. Yeah, I, I think it was more just, I mean, I understood both of them. like Because like, you're challenging the, the, the third and one carry because you believe that if you get that, you're your the game's basically over that you're going to be able to run off right. so much of the clock that, it, that it's just going to end so i understood the thought there understood as well the thought on on challenging the fumble i thought it was close enough where you don't know i mean daniel jones did have an empty hand however the empty hand came when he was kind of moving the arm was already going forward and then the empty hand came so it was one of those like 50 50 calls uh, I understood both of those challenges late. And also the way you're thinking about it is that if the Giants go down the field and score a touchdown, it's a tie game. It's not like you, you need those timeouts to, to uh, well, actually I shouldn't even say that because you would need the timeouts to then come back and win. But I think both plays were close enough where they weren't dumb challenges. They were worth it. I could have seen the fourth and one going every other play. In fact, I thought Le'Veon Bell got it. I think the bigger issue was that there were so many bodies in that area that it was tough to yeah. tell if he actually did get through. You couldn't spot the ball, which was a you know a problem with camera angles and stuff, not so much the challenge. And then the fourth, and then the the fumble by Daniel Jones. I thought that again, you recover that fumble, the game's over. I mean, you're probably going to score a touchdown there, and then it's a it's a deficit the Giants cannot come back from. So, I think that it was they were. I understood challenging so closely together and late. I understand it looks a little weird, but at the same time, it, they were they were warranted challenges, and I think that they were good too. All right, so before this game started and watching warm-ups and everything on, on the broadcast and all of that, and I'm thinking, well, even at least if the Jets lose this game, they're going to look good doing it because the all-black unis are sweet. I, I love them. Are we going to see them again, Connor, or was this a one-shot deal this year with those? Uh, the black ones, I don't know. They, they wore them earlier. Like, I think the Jets are trying They're trying to save the black uniforms for primetime games, so it pretty much has okay. to be a primetime big game and then also home because you're not going to be able to wear them at ro on the road unless right. you know, the, the other team decides to wear their white jersey. So they broke them out on Monday night against the Browns in Week 2, uh, which was that obviously That didn't go as well. The, yeah, it did not go as well. Obviously, yeah, that was the one Simeon's ankle exploded and all that other crap. So <laughs> uh, that obviously did not go as planned. But then also later on, uh, in the like in the see this was kind of like their last primetime game home game against your crosstown rival Giants they don't really have if I'm not mistaken another primetime game I know that I think they play the Ravens on Thursday night I think that's a Thursday night game uh checking now but I think that's a Thursday night game but aside from that it's on the road if I'm not mistaken so yeah it's and one they, of those, you know that the, the yeah, wild card play Ravens game will Thursday be on the night road yeah it's, it's a Ravens Thursday night game on the road so and so they're not gonna wear their black jerseys on the road and if anyone's gonna wear a black it'll be the Ravens so um, right. I, I think it was just one of those things where this is the last one, but I'll be honest with you, man. I like the black uniforms. Like that's the one. Yeah, players I love, love the black uniforms. I don't know what like 
technically the Jets would have to do to make them their default home uniforms and the green ones their alternate, or even if they'd be willing to do that because they've been the green Jets forever. But I thought the black uniforms were really, really nice. Yep, totally agree. Um, all right, so more, if you want more on this game, uh, check out the New York Football Podcast. Uh, Dan Duggan and I will have more on the game. Uh, it'll be a little more of a somber affair from the Giants' perspective, but as a Jets fan, probably appreciate that as well. So check that one out here on The Athletic. Um, if you're enjoying the podcast, please subscribe. Give us a five-star five rating as well. And also check out theathletic.com, the Can't Wait podcast. You can get 40% off a subscription. This was our free episode each week, but we have two of these every week at least, and the other ones are bonus, only available to subscribers. So check it out, theathletic.com slash the Can't Wait podcast, and you can get 40% off that subscription to The Athletic. Follow Connor on Twitter, Connor underscore J underscore Hughes. Uh, no press box food power rankings this week, but they'll be back. So make sure you follow him on oh, Twitter. You get all Washington the pictures and, and all of so that bad, as well. <laughs> Another so bad, bad one coming so up. Disgusting. Oh, it's going to be terrible. All right. Thanks to Marissa Morris as well for doing the producing, and we will talk to you again later this week.